Welcome to Let's Talk Nerdy, a podcast for aspiring entrepreneurs, marketing wizards, and anyone interested in learning from the challenges and successes of business owners just like them. My name is Christian, creative director at Cool Nerds Marketing. And I'm Mike Venezia, digital marketing director at Cool Nerds Marketing. And our guest today is Chris Kirby, founder and president of Ithaca Hummus. Unlike other brands, Ithaca Hummus is cold crafted, preserving the flavor of each ingredient. The result is incredibly tasty, and I encourage anyone listening to try it for themselves if they have not already. And Chris was kind enough to share his story with us, from selling at local farmers markets to being on shelves in grocery stores across the country, all while maintaining the same homemade quality that Ithaca Hummus is known for. We hope you enjoyed this episode, and let's get started. So, Chris, how did you get started, uh, and and what made you sort of gravitate towards not only the consumer packaged goods industry, but hummus in particular? Well, I, I've always been a, a foodie, um, starting from a very young age. Um, I was, you know, my first job was in a restaurant as a dishwasher, and and that experience working in restaurants through high school inspired me to go to culinary school. And um, so I went to culinary school and, and worked for about seven years as a chef. And at that point, decided that I wanted to continue my education and get out of the restaurant business. But I still wanted to stay involved in, in the food business, in the business of feeding people. And so I, I decided, um, and, and fortunately, I was accepted into the, the hotel school at Cornell. Um, I was 27 at that time. So when I got there, all of my classmates obviously were 18 and I was much older. And so I figured, you know, now's a better time than ever to, to get started in, in a business of my own. And, and so I, the first step for me was trying to solve a, a, a problem locally in the Ithaca community. And so I went to the natural food stores that, that are there in Ithaca. I went to the farmer's market really looking for a gap in the marketplace like what what's not being made locally here that would be so much better quality if it was and I don't know how much you know about Ithaca but it's a very um, kind of granola kind of town and I was absolutely shocked that there was no local hummus producer and so I really saw that as my my opportunity and um, got started by renting a little kitchen and making the product myself and blending it and scooping it out into containers by hand and um, selling it at the farmer's market. So that, that was really how I, I got started in the business. Gotcha. And do you think having that sort of backstory and that really um, sort of organic origin, do you think that's something that so far your fans have really gravitated towards? Yeah, I think, I think so. Um, less because we are really good at telling that that story because that's something that we're always working on getting better at how do we get the story out there but but more so because you know my background really has affected first and foremost the the quality of the product the ingredients that we use and the process that we use to make it Um, and it's also affected the decisions that i have have made um, and we've made as a team as we've grown the business so there are certain things that we just are not willing to do that, that there are a lot of hummus manufacturers out there 
that are doing that. Um, for example, heat pasteurization, using preservatives and things like that all have a negative impact on the quality of the product. And, um, you know, we kind of draw the line and, and it's all about the product and, and putting the, the highest quality plummets out in the market. And that's interesting because the way that you make the product actually helped further your distribution, right? Because for most small businesses, especially in you know the food space, they are looking for oftentimes, you know, bigger opportunities. Uh, but it, it turns out that word of mouth was actually what kind of brought that new big opportunity to you, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, taking it slow and, and really going one step at a time and building the business one retailer at a time has is something that in the beginning we were really forced to do. Um, I, I started out with the product having a seven day shelf life. So that really constricted our ability to expand into regions outside of our home region. And that, that was really a blessing in disguise because we were able to really focus on driving velocity and driving trial right in our local you know, community. Uh, and that, that's another one of those lessons that, that early on we, we learned and, and that, that's really served us well as we've continued to build the business. And so um, I believe I heard somewhere that your first, you know, official placement, you know, in a store outside the local farmers markets and sort of the local scene was uh, in a Wegmans. Is that true? Yes. Yeah, that was our first big break at, at the started out at the Ithaca Wegmans, one store. Gotcha. And so I know you mentioned shelf life, uh, you know, being an issue at first going from sort of your own operation to having to, you know, sort of meet someone else's standards for that kind of, uh, you know, product. Were there other challenges that you faced, you know, going from sort of the homegrown vibe to, you know, larger stores or even more stores? Yeah. Um, distribution for one. When in the early days I was, you know, I literally drove around with a printer in the back of my car so that I could print out invoices as I was delivering product, sometimes one unit at a time. And so being flexible early on um, with how we were distributing the product and really managing the the inventory of our product on the retailer shelf is something that was a was a big advantage at the beginning. But once we started working with larger retailers like Wegmans, as an example, you know, they don't they're not very fond of having somebody drive up to the back of their store in their Toyota and, and drop product off. So it forced us into more traditional um, channels of, of distribution and and that alone was was it was a learning process um, and the other the other piece was when you start working with more sophisticated retailers Wegmans is a great example they're really looking for products that are going to fly off the shelf and we were confronted with that challenge basically immediately and we answered that by really camping out in their stores and just doing relentlessly, you know, focusing on, on doing demos and sampling out the product. And, and that was, that was really successful for us. And, you know, another one of those great lessons early on. And do you think as you've grown, you've uh, managed to maintain that sort of personal contact with your customers? Uh, you know, you mentioned being in the store, being right there with them, you know, you can sample things with them and pretty much hear their feedback, you know, instantly. Um, has that 
been something you think you've been able to maintain as you sort of keep expanding and growing? I, I wouldn't say that today we are as active as we were when we were in a select number of stores um, locally. I mean, obviously, when you're in that position, it's easy to go out and and demo all the time and be in the stores constantly. Um, but we've really tried to look for solutions to replicate that same level of customer service for our customers. So we still do um, a lot of them, a lot of demos. We have regional um, people on our team that that are in different regions of, of the country that, that do demos on their own. But we also partner with third parties, uh, third party companies that, that execute demos for us. We partner with merchandising companies that make sure that the product is on the shelf and the tags are up. And if we're doing a promotion, that promotion tags are up and things like that. So it's not it's not exactly the same as it, as it used to be, but we are still striving to, um, as I said, maintain that same level of customer service to all of our customers. Having that strong customer base that you've acquired initially and still are acquiring very much through the demos that you do, um, are there other ways that you've found to present Ithaca to people who aren't aware of the product? And you know, kind of how have you positioned yourself as this better product? You know, no preservatives, cold pressed, kind of a an, a better alternative to what exists. Yeah, those those are all things that have evolved as our as our marketing horsepower has evolved so you know using programs like uh doing things like couponing for example um targeted couponing is has been effective or or partnering with retailers with some of their in-house marketing opportunities to tell our story in in like a menu magazine for example um and you really have to make sure at, at all of those touch points you're, you're sending out the, the, the big message that you want people to experience the first time that they encounter your brand. Um, and so that's been a big part of it. One of, one of the lines that's, that, that we're starting to use now that I think is really effective for us is taste hummus for the first time, even if it's your hundredth time. And I, and I think that really conveys the promise that we're making to consumers, which is, you know, hey, whether you're whether you've had a negative experience with hummus in the past, or or you love hummus and you eat it all the time, you're getting a different product when you when you buy our our brand. Yeah, I mean, it's um, makes perfect sense, and it seems like it is hummus in particular is something that has grown significantly in the last you know couple of years. Um, from being something that most people didn't really know too much about, where maybe there was kind of a, a pretty large learning curve. And now it seems like, you know, maybe most people uh, have come around to it either as a condiment or a snack um, so that, you know, it, that barrier isn't quite there anymore. But that's interesting that you're sort of able to work around that in that way. Yeah, and I would have to agree. It does seem that the market for hummus has grown, you know, exponentially, especially in the last you know, five years or so. And, and as that growth, you know, just in the market in general, as it becomes less of a niche product and more of a kind of standard product in every basket, have you, Chris, seen the the market evolve and, and sort of adapt to your product? And do you think that there are competitors out there? Do you know of competitors out there who are 
kind of directly going after what you've put out? Well, first of all, the category is a very exciting category to be in. Um, it's a great category. It's, it's big. Um, so about about $800 million in sales last year in the hummus category. Um, and there are a lot of um, strong players uh, that we're very fortunate have come before us and, and done a lot of the missionary work in terms of educating consumers on what the product is. Um, that being said, um, it's a crowded space. You know, the last time I checked, there's somewhere around 80 or 90 hummus brands selling in the United States. So it's very difficult to, um, to really set yourself apart, um, from, from, from the masses, um, and from, you know, frankly, the same old cast of characters that have, that have been out there for so long. But to be honest, our process and the way that we make our product and, and the ingredients, the quality of ingredients that we use, coupled with partnership that we have with our manufacturer, um, I think it would be very difficult for, for a competitor to, to really offer consumers the same level of quality that, that we have. So fortunately, up to this point, um, we haven't really seen a, a competitor come into the space that that's offering a, a product that's that you know the same quality that that we're that we're able to offer. Yeah, and you mentioned standing out, you know, sort of among uh, the new competitors that are popping up. You know, it seems like every day. Um, one of the things that you did fairly recently was a little bit of rebranding in particular with your packaging. Could you tell us a little bit about that? Initially, our, our name, the name of the brand was Ithaca Hummus. And um, we, we sold uh, under that name for the first four years um, of being in business. And then, um, as I mentioned, we, I went from manufacturing the product myself and with my internal team to partnering with a, another manufacturer who now makes our, our product for us. And when we did that, um, we really tried to make that change from our plant to their plant as seamless as possible. And one of the things that they had was a filling line, a cup filling line that had square pockets that the cups fall down into. So instead of changing for, from around or instead of, instead of changing the, the change parts on that machine, we elected to change our cup from a round, which we started in, to a square. And um, that's been, you know, really beneficial for us because it, it helps us stand out. Square is actually a, it's a lot more efficient on the shelf and in, in transit and storage and things like that. But when we did that, it, it really um, kind of it, it made me feel like, hey, this is a great opportunity to, to change our packaging. And in that process, because we were now with this larger manufacturer and, and really felt felt that we had a, a bigger opportunity to scale up much faster, we changed the name from Ithaca Hummus to Ithaca Cold Crafted um, under the kind of pretense that we felt like, hey, this innovation that we have in the hummus category is something that we can apply in, in many categories. And what's really setting us apart is our process. And so I wanted to incorporate that into the name of our brand. Um, that was about two years ago when we made that change. And what we found 
since then just by listening to consumers, um, going out and, and just looking at the shelf and, and really trying to optimize our packaging. We found that while <clears throat> cold crafted is unique, it is different, and it is what sets us apart, it was also a bit confusing to consumers. So it, it took a lot of explanation to unpack that and certainly more than we were able to do right on the package, which is how a lot of consumers, you know, confront your brand for the first time. So we, we made the decision um, a few months ago to go back to Ithaca Hummus, um, which we, we, we did that for two reasons. One, we wanted to be clear about what the product was. What are, what are people buying? Uh, what are they looking at when they see us on the shelf? And number two, um, as, as I've learned more and, and just grown in the, in the hummus category alone, I think, I think our entire team, myself included, feels like the hummus category is large enough and there's enough disruption and innovation to be, uh, to be done there that, you know, we're not as concerned as we once were about expanding into, into other categories. Yeah, and rep repackaging, rebranding, that's always an exciting thing to go through and a very, you know, involved process. So when you and your team, you know, decided to, on the higher level, go back to Ithaca Hummus as kind of the core, when you brought that to everyone else, what was that conversation like? You know, was there pushback? It's not easy to do. Um, so internally, you know, how did you prepare for that? That's a good question because um, we have, in you know, previous packaging changes made the mistake of going from one size or shape to a different size or shape or changing barcodes, things like that, that, that really set off a chain reaction with all your distributors and retailers that have to be managed very closely. Um, and so fortunately, we have learned some of those lessons just through our experience up to this point. And the changes that we made were really, um, really only involved the design of the label. So we kept all the specifications of the packaging exactly the same. We kept the same barcode, the same pack size in our cases. So when you're able to make a change like that and um, keep all of those really critical factors constant, it causes a lot less disruption, um, you know, downstream in the supply chain. So fortunately, you know, we were able to, to communicate well in advance to, to everybody that we partner with in distribution and at retail that we were making a design change, not a pack change. So it was actually a, a great experience because almost everyone that we work with uh, was really excited and, and happy to see the new design. Um, but even more happy that uh, that there wasn't a barcode change or any other change that they had to go into their system and, and update. <laughs> yeah, and the packaging looks beautiful now. Uh, I mean, it's, re it's really fantastic. It's nice and clean, represents the brand well. Um, so internally, you learned from what you had done in the past and were able to help move forward with that knowledge. How about on the consumer side? Do you think that there's, you know, you're, you're going back to, I would say what's less confusing. Do you think the consumers are, are going to perceive it that way as well? Yeah, I, I definitely. I think the new design is is much cleaner, even cleaner than we than we had before. 
um, which is, is, is just totally on brand for, for our brand and our product. Um, but you, you kind of raise an important point, which is in our design brief, when we were working with the creative agency to redesign the packaging, we made it very clear that we wanted our, our packaging and our branding to be recognizable to consumers who are already buying our product. Right. Um, that was, that was something that we were really, um, you know, we, we, we paid a lot of attention to that and, you know, we'll see how it goes, but I'm, I'm pretty confident that, that we'll see, um, you know, a, a lift from this. Yeah, absolutely. Um, was there any sort of uh, marketing push that you did, you know, sort of coincide with that um, to maybe make people aware of, you know, this is this is how we look now and it's the same taste. It's the same hummus that you've been buying uh, that you love. But, you know, here we are sort of new name, new package. We have not executed um, that quite yet. That will happen um in, in about a week, actually, at the beginning of October, um, we're in the process, as you know, when you change packaging like that, if it's a flow through, as they say, meaning you don't have to take old product off the shelf to put new product out there. That means that you're going to have, um, you know, a few weeks or maybe even up to a month where you've got packaging out there that's old packaging and new packaging. And so we're, tr- we're really timing this so that when we make consumer facing announcements around the pack redesign um all of the packs out there are 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 new so you'll see that from us um coming up here in a couple weeks but so far the only communication has been to um to our direct customers you know meaning meaning retailers and distributors and that was really as simple as putting together an, an email with a couple attachments and making them aware of the change um but when we do our, our consumer facing announcement, you know, it'll be a heavy social media push, geofencing, um, the different retailers and communities and regions that we're selling in to, to get the message out that way. And also utilizing our broker network to go out into the stores and, and place, you know, some signage that, that speaks to the new redesign. So you mentioned social just now. Do you think social is one of the most impactful ways to get to the audience you're trying to reach? It's, it's, it's a tough question. And I, and I think that's one that, that a lot of brands um, struggle with and, and we're no exception. I, the, the challenge with a consumer goods product that's not being sold online. I mean, this is obvious and I'm sure it's not surprising to any of your listeners, but there's a void that, that that's kind of there between the advertising that you're doing online and the, the actual point of purchase, meaning, meaning the, the retail store. So I've always felt like it's a bit of a stretch to think that I can serve up ads on Instagram or Facebook and get a significant enough, you know, volume of consumers to experience that ad and then go make a purchasing decision in, in a retail environment. Um, I think it's more impactful to actually do your marketing as close to the point of purchase as possible. That being said, you know, as we grow and our marketing budget grows with our, with our revenue growth, we're always trying to explore and, and, and work with different agencies to figure out how we can utilize social media more than we have in the past. So it's a, it's a tough question. And, and, 
you know, uh, uh, probably an even more complicated answer, but um, I, I, yeah, that, that's kind of my take on it. I, I think that that's a valid answer and it makes perfect sense because you're right. There is a very, uh, all marketers have that challenge, right? Of drawing the line between here's the message that we put out and then here are the direct results. Of course, you can look at brand lift and you can look at sales at the end of the day and say, we did this here and it seemed to work well, but you can't draw that straight line in those cases. So putting the messaging closer to the point of sale, you know, it's a good strategy. Do you think as you expand into newer markets, you find kind of that more brand awareness element pretty important? Or do you think even in newer markets, it's it's still at the point of sale? Uh, I think it's both. I mean, I think it's, it's all this this conversation is all about the the holistic marketing mix that a brand uses to to activate their product in a in a market or to stimulate trial or or whatever the the goal is um and i think there's there's definitely a place for both i think as marketers you guys understand this but as we as as we you know kind of as our as our marketing discipline um continues to improve it's easier for us to kind of silo the different activities that we're doing on the marketing side and directly kind of correlate those to lift at, at retail and i'll just give you an example like whole foods in in new york city we may have four or five different supporting um you know, activities that we're doing, whether it be merchandising or demos or geo-targeted Facebook and Instagram ads going on at the same time. And for an underdeveloped um, brand that, 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 that doesn't have some of the, um, some of the uh, you know, traceability and, and access to data that, that larger brands do, it's difficult a lot of times to say, hey, you know, we saw a lift there um, and we can really, um, we can, we can attribute that lift to this one specific activity, right? Because you, you may have four or five going on at the same time. Right. Um, but, but that's part of the marketing discipline, I think is being able to track and trace and, and, and really come up with, with realistic ROIs on all the marketing activities that you're doing. Yeah. And, and the testing part is always a challenge because you, you know, are, you're always doing different things, and it's an important part of the process, you know, but you have to look at certain metrics to determine whether or not you're, you know, A, beat out B. Um, but that also, you know, adds another kind of layer of complication to moving forward and, and putting together that holistic approach like you mentioned. If I could jump back uh, to Instagram just for a second, because I, I have taken a look at your page and it's really amazing. I mean, it, it definitely suits the Instagram aesthetic. Uh, for anyone who hasn't seen it, it's really high-quality photos of all sorts of recipes, uh, food, of course, using hummus. Um, you know, really colorful. I think it matches the brand really well. Um, and, you know, sort of like you said, it's, it's not, you know, maybe social media activity isn't as uh, traceable you know, c compared to other forms of marketing maybe, but um, how how do you feel about, you know, maybe using social media as the face of uh, Ithaca Hummus? 
we work really hard to make sure that our page represents our brand and our values and um, food and cooking and recipes. I mean, that's, that's really ingrained into the fabric of our DNA as a company and as a brand. So that's why, you know, that's a lot of what you see there. Um, but I think the other side of that beyond just the content that you're, that you're putting out there is the community management piece. And I feel like that's really where you can exercise your personality as a brand. So how are we responding to comments? You know, if, if someone reaches out and say, Hey, I'm, I'm a fanatic. I love your product and it's all that I can ever buy anymore. It's so good. You know, do we, do we respond back by saying, Hey, so glad you like it, you know, with kind of a dead end response or, you know, as a brand, my, my thought is you, you really want to be um, inciting a, a conversation, an ongoing conversation with your consumers so that they know when they reach out to you with a question or a comment or, or, or they want to pay you a compliment that there's actually a real person um, on the other end of that. So I, I think, I think that's, that's really important and something that um, we're always striving to, to add more resources to, to the community management piece so that we can interact with our, our consumers on a more frequent and, and personal basis. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's definitely the right attitude to have. Um, you know, there could be any number of sort of faceless brands on Instagram, but uh, if someone has a concern or just wants to give you a compliment, you know, it's good to have someone there with an actual personality and who's excited about the product and excited about people trying it that wants to respond to that. I think in a way it's almost uh, sort of coming <laughs> full circle of you know, maybe the being at the farmer's market or having a small team at uh, the grocery store doing tests, uh, you know, samples, and you sort of have that maybe not face-to-face -face interaction, but one-on-one -on -one interaction with a fan of yours. Absolutely. I mean, we don't have a 1-800 number, you know, so it's, it's really important that consumers have a way to reach us. And, um, you know, that social media is, is the channel for that, in, in my opinion. Um, so, Chris, for you personally, you know, you're in this vortex right now. You have a brand that's very successful. It's growing. You have a, a lot of things to manage with, you know, growing teams, different marketing groups coming in. You have product design and expansion. Um, do you think that you or did you ever imagine yourself in this position? And do you ever see yourself kind of getting back more towards your, your chef roots? Oh yeah. I mean, I, I, you know, love, love food, always have loved to cook. Um, I know I've even thought about like going back to some of the old restaurants that I used to work at and just asking if I can work for free for a night because <laughs> I love that experience. I love the feeling of like the rush in a dinner service or what have you. And, um, so, you know, um, what I do now compared to that is, is very different. Um, I, I went from literally like a one man operation to having a team and being a founder is, is a lot different than, than being the CEO or the president of a, of a company. Um, so yeah, I mean, who, who, who knows? Um, I've always, you know, the, the, the pipe dream is that we can open up like a, you know, a cafe or something and, have a place where people can actually come and experience our brand in, in real life. Um, and yeah, the, those kinds of ideas and opportunities really excite me because I enjoy 
the, the starting up process, you know, the organization and the thinking through all the details and, you know, designing things that, that, that are going to be appealing to people. And, and, you know, so it is, it is a bit of a um, dichotomy there, but I, I guess I like both. <laughs> and I'm sure somewhere there's a kitchen uh, that would love to have you back. <laughs> Our kitchen would love to have yeah, you. Yeah, kitchen around. Actually. <laughs> I do just have one more question for you. You know, being at this point that you're at, what advice would you give to, you know, someone who's just starting out who maybe wants to enter the uh, either hummus or just consumer packaged goods industry? Yeah, I I would say um, don't be afraid. There's a lot of, you know, founders or, or or people with ideas that, that want to get into the food space or CPG um, who immediately from the get go without, you know, actually selling anything first, start looking for a co-packer or like somewhere that, that they can manufacture their product for them. And, and I'm not going to say that this is the case in, in every case, but generally I would advise people who are just getting started to, to really roll your sleeves up and, do it yourself for a while, you know, understand what it takes to not only manufacture a product, but, but to grow that and, and what kind of levers that you have, um, on, on like costing and, and, um, manufacturing efficiency, because when you do get to a certain scale and you have a business that's ready to entertain uh, working with a co-packer, you're, you're just going to, you're going to be a much better partner to them. That was certainly the case for me. And, um, the downside of that is it, it's difficult to manufacture on your own at a very small scale profitably. Um, not to say that it can't be done, but it's hard to do that. Um, so you have to prepare yourself for some loss, I think up front, but with the goal in mind of, you know, eventually we're going to grow to the size that, that this, this turns profitable. Um, and, and you'll have the experience, um, that that's really going to make you an expert in your product and your process. So I would say, yeah, don't, don't be afraid to roll your sleeves up and, and do it yourself for a while. Great. Thank you very much for that, Chris. I, we appreciate it. I'm sure all of our listeners do as well. And, uh, that, is our time for today but we really do want to thank you again for joining us it's been you know a fascinating journey to hear more about from from you firsthand and we're really looking forward to you know your continued growth and we'll of course be following the brand and how you evolve in the future absolutely thank you guys so much i really uh, appreciate what you're doing and i know that uh i've listened to countless podcasts over the years and, and it's really been helpful for me so Thank you for what you're doing to help the community. For more info on Ithaca Hummus and where to find their products near you, visit IthacaHummus.com. You can find more information about this podcast as well as other episodes at CoolNerdsMarketing.com backslash podcast. Thanks for listening, and we will see you next time.